He hosts the Sean Salisbury Show from 6 to 10 on Sports Talk uh, 790 in Houston. Welcome back to the big show with Sean Salisbury. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So uh, kind of take us back to last week, Sean, and uh, and how this all unraveled with the, the Rockets acquiring Russell Westbrook and how that's uh, been received there in H-Town. Um, I, I think, first off, people were panicked a bit with the way that the Astros, you know, are winning and really, really good. And the Jeff Luno, their GM, you know, has made a move two years ago with Justin Verlander during a season and then Garrett Cole in the offseason to get those two frontliners. And then, you know, to watch, you know, the way that the Rockets have kind of went and got Chris Paul. And then the with the offseason, the Texans, it was like they didn't do anything. So I think they were nervous at Daryl Morey again. And, and Daryl's like, he's a deal maker, but if they could pull this off and the later got into free agency, the more, you know, you heard a lot of names and mid, uh, you know, a couple mid level guys' names being mentioned, but. The Chris Paul movement of the salary seemed almost impossible, guys. $124 million with three years and trying to find something. And everybody thought Capella would be gone and Gordon. And then there was no mention. And then all of a sudden when Kawhi Leonard had, you know, put it out there and became a great recruiter and put it on Paul George and Paul George forced the hand, uh, you know, with Sam Presti in Oklahoma City. And then that was like a whole – that opened up everything. And then it made room for, okay, we're going to rebuild this whole thing and accumulate draft picks which made it, you know, grabbing a veteran like Chris Paul, who they may still move on somewhere else to go get Russ Westbrook. I think as far as received guys, you know, it's both. There's some that say, no way, can't win a championship, too many, you, need, you know, too, too much uh, ego and testosterone between the two, yet they've played together before. They've won scoring titles and MVPs. And, and I, I had a guy on my show today call and say, well, they're going to have to make a 180-degree change. And I said, why would I bring in an MVP? and a triple-double guy to make a 180-degree change. I, why would I do that? They do need to make adjustments because who's going to be on the ball and who's going to be the two? And with Russ being an, an average out, out, outside shooter but can attack the rim, it would seem to me that James Harden would be the better number two. The key is both are going to have to sacrifice, guys. If they sacrifice a little, not wholesale changes, but a little, they're dangerous. P.J. Tucker's a great defender. They add you know, Tyson Chandler for some physicality. They keep Eric Gordon and... So far, Clint Capella still in the race for Andre Iguodala. So you know they bring in some attitude, a little more physical. They bring in a guy who is a is a superstar, and he at this point in time is uh, five times better player than Chris Paul as he just is now. All three of those guys together would not have worked because of the personality. So for me, do I still think that the Clippers are the best team in the West right now? Yes, but your Utah Jazz got maybe made as many improvements as anybody in the league this year. They got good, and, and I do. I think Conley's one of the best. The sneakiest off-season picks, you know, pickups there is, and you know, Portland and Denver aren't going away. The Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis. So the West just got stronger, even though and the Warriors are still there, even though KD left. But I think people are excited, but they're they're treading lightly because they're not real sure which one of these guys or if both will be willing to adjust a little bit of their game to where the ring becomes more important than the most valuable player award. If it does. They're relentless. They're going to get after it a little bit, and they're going to make it miserable. I don't know if they're an NBA championship team, but they are a definite threat, and the adjustment will be the difference on whether they can get deeper into the playoffs or not. And they're going to have to both play defense, which on a consistent basis hasn't been their forte. So, Sean, all these varying opinions on it, what's your gut telling you? As an observer of sports and a participant in sports for a long time, which way are you betting? I, you know what? I know they're better. 
they're better with Russ than they were with Chris Paul. You know, Chris is a extremely, you know, a, a leader of different sorts that some guys can take it, some guy can. I mean, I'm a guy that if you know a coach that, and I don't mean literally grab you around the throat, but that type of coach, certain guys can handle that. Certain guys are sensitive to it, and and Chris and James would run its course. Whether they like each other or not, they were at least professional enough to compete and go do it. But I was concerned that with getting away, if they had to give up P.J. Tucker, who's, I think, the heart and soul of the team when it comes to effort and defense, and then possibly give up Capella, who had a horrible postseason, and also Eric Gordon. I thought they were going to lose too much to go out and get a, you know, that other third star that Daryl Morey had talked about. But the parting of Chris Paul and that salary, and then being able to go get Russ Westbrook, that, guys, a month ago, there's not one soul. Two weeks ago, there wasn't one soul that thought Paul George was leaving. That was, I was like, what? Oh, Paul George is going, okay, now let's see. And then you heard the rumors about Russ. So for me, guys, and having been in the, you know, my sport for 10 years and watching great players, and to me, I don't call guys superstars that can't make adjustments to team game and an effort to get a championship ring. Those guys are stars. They can score and go win an MVP and do all that. The superstar is the guy who shows up and says, you know what, i got to give a little bit more to get a whole lot. And if, and to me, and I'll be honest with you, this may sound harsh, but if you're not in it to win a championship ring, you're a punk at any level. If that's not your first priority, then I got a real problem with it. And Mike D'Antoni's going to have to draw a line in the sand. Mike doesn't like confrontation. Say, here's how we're doing this. And then hopefully those two guys will follow suit. They're better. I think they're a threat. And you know, an injury here and an injury there obviously changes the entire Western Conference. It's deep, it's nasty. You're just trying to fight your way in. But if Russ and James will decide, to give a little, to get a lot, they're going to be. They will be formidable and be a threat, and uh, and we'll see if that happens. And I'm sorry about the noise, guys. I'm just sitting out here on Seaport Village in San Diego, and a military copter's going ahead. So yeah. I hope that uh, that's not interrupting this interview too bad. So, that's but uh, in Houston, I think they're excited because because you've got another star that can take over a game. But the key is is still James Harden's team. But I like that they didn't have to give up a lot of their pieces to go get one star. But they are a better team than they were last year with Russ Westbrook. It's 96 degrees here in the summer heat, so we can feel the breezes brushing across <laughs> you down there in San Diego. But it's not bad. No. Sean Salisbury with us. Uh, he hosts the Sean Sal- Salisbury Show on Sports Talk 790 in Houston. You mentioned Mike D'Antoni, Sean, and I, I think you're you're right on the money. He's going to have to figure out a way to put this together to make it work. Is he going to have the leverage he needs given his own contract situation? Yeah, it is. And and that's, I think, something that concerns. And we got a couple things in this. You know, it's weird. It's in this town – well, you know, with our baseball team, this young kid, Jordan Alvarez, we're trying to know if we're supposed to pronounce it Jordan or Jordan because he's so special. And then you've got the, the Texans again, getting back to them, that we're operating without a GM in Houston. And that's, you know, Jadavion Clowney's uh, situation with contract and his, you know, the extension came and went. So we don't know if he's even showing up to camp. And then there's this, Mike D'Antoni, who is a guy, we all know this. You know, Mike is, an, is a genius on the offensive side of the ball and can get some help on defense. But I also know this, just like football, defense is an attitude. So it's going to be, a, you know, you can preach and, and kick guys in the, you know, in the rear end all you want until they decide, you know what, I'm going to put, drop my rear end into the ground and sit down and bend my legs and make as much effort on one end as I do on the other. That's the only way you play defense. Defense is not effort technique. Defense is effort. And while technique's built into it, it's more effort than technique. On the other side, it's, it's the ability to sacrifice. So, with Mike, you know what, they, they say everything's great, but you and I both know, all of us do, guys, that, you know, if it was great, if everybody was happy right now, there would be an extension. 
And, you know, Tillman Fertitta is a big-time business guy, but there's a lot of people that feel that the billionaire, you can't treat basketball players or operate a basketball business the same way you would your restaurants and hotels and casinos that he owns. I know he wants to win, but going in and when the, the, the phrase was mentioned, oh, Mike D'Antoni's a lame duck coach. He goes, I don't know what lame duck means. I just know he's under contract. So there's going to have to be some give there for both Tillman and uh, Tillman Fertitta and Mike D'Antoni. I know he loves it, and I think he relishes the challenge, but this will be Mike D'Antoni, and I know he's had to deal with Carmelo Anthony, and he's been in the Knicks and had to deal with Suns ownership. Dealing with two high-profile stars that are $100 million players that both are triple-double type guys that want to be MVPs, he's going to earn every ounce of his money. The feeling here is that people want him back, but there is still that feeling that people want a little bit more tough, kind of something between Greg Popovich and Mike D'Antoni. If there was a a, a little bit more, here's how we're going to do it. You guys aren't running the show. But I think people here are, are pretty fond of Mike D'Antoni. But you guys know how that goes. He's not going to get the respect that he probably deserves offensively until they're playing in a championship or until he's got one. Very good coach. But uh, there's people that look at that there's better coaches in the NBA, at least people's perception, because they haven't been able to close it out. Mike knows how to coach offense. The question is, will he, will he put his, you know, draw a line in the sand and say, here's how we're going to do it. It may be James Harden's team, but it's my team. And I'm curious to see if we'll get the extension done before the season starts or if he will operate. Because I believe if he operates under lame duck, lame duck status, that this will be his last year, even if they do make the playoffs or go deep into it. Sean, uh, our listeners are always interested in what people from afar think about what's happening here. You mentioned the changes the Jazz made, and then along with the Clippers and the Lakers, and Denver looks pretty uh, pretty strong as well, and then Houston. What do you think of what the Jazz did, and how do you think this is all going to play out come uh, the regular season? And, and guys, let's not forget a couple of years from now with the way they're building. I'm not you – know, Golden State, we, we know. I mean, getting D'Angelo Russell was a good get. You lose KD, but they're not going away, guys. When Clay Thompson comes back, if he does late April or sometime after his ACL, you still got Draymond Green and Steph Curry. They're going to be formidable. Heck, they can still play. Um, and then, But for me, and then New Orleans, guys, think about New Orleans. At some point in time in the next two years, if this young draft pick and Williamson, uh, you know, Zion works out the way that it's supposed to, they're going to they're gonna upset some people and knock them around. Every single NBA expert that I've had on my show since this offseason started and free agency began the signing period, and any caller, and, you know, my buddy Charles Barkley, you listen to him, anybody, and my opinion I'm not so sure that the Utah Jazz. Now, when you talk about big superstars, getting Kawhi and Paul George, obviously that's the biggest gig this offseason. And you're dealing with two potential MVPs. You're dealing with two of the best five defensive players, perimeter defenders in all of basketball on the same team. And both have been considered to be, especially Kawhi, unselfish and will sacrifice to win. So that's the biggest. But I'm not so sure as far as depth and adding to a team and, and making it, I mean, they. They've got scoring now, and another way to add to get Mitchell to another level. I'll tell you what, as far as off-seasons go, and this is honest to God how every single person that I've talked to that knows even more than, than we may think we know, has they, 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 the, name, the two names they mentioned, yeah, LeBron and Anthony Davis, but it's the Clippers and Utah. It's just what Utah's done. I think there's a tremendous amount of respect because you guys play defense, you've got a superstar, and you've added depth and scoring because I think you needed somebody else in Mitchell that could shoot. I, I'm impressed. I'm going to tell you what, because sometimes the Clippers 
the Lakers, uh, Houston, we know they're going to be resting players. You know, the usage situation next year, it would not shock me one bit if the Utah Jazz are a three or a two seed next year. I think they're that good. I think that they, I mean, nobody wants to go in their building and play because of the fans. I think it's been a spectacular offseason for them. And, and the people that aren't paying attention to that aren't paying attention to basketball. So I, I thought the West was deep last year and the year before. It's ridiculous right now. And it, even losing KD, like I said, I'm not so sure it didn't get ten times better after what we saw this offseason. Sean, switching gears, taking advantage of uh, having you on, switching gears to football a little bit. What's going on with this Jadavian Clowney situation, and are the Texans trying to pull a fast one by tagging him as a linebacker? Um, oh, well, business is business, right? They're going to try to tag tag the guy that, you know, oh, your hand's on the ground? No, we'd prefer to tag you as a guy whose hand's not on the ground. And the other side, see, Clowney thinks he's worth Khalil Mack, and, and he's a hell, uh, guy's a heck of a talent. He just is. But he's never had a 10-sack season. And, you know, we, while sacks is not the you – know, we seem like that's the judgment, but can you defend the run? Can you pressure the quarterback? I call them disruptors, and to me, aside from the quarterback, that's the next, next most important position on the team, a guy who creates havoc and wreaks havoc in the backfield. He does it once in a while. But J.J. Watt does it every snap. Aaron Donald does it every snap. Khalil Mack, Vaughn Miller, those guys that are making 25 27 $27 bucks a year – that are getting paid like quarterbacks do it every every down. I think the consider the problem here is I don't think people trust his consistency. He does have a little bit of that maybe I'll hold out attitude. I don't expect to see him in camp on time. I just don't. Not that it matters, but I don't. And with no general manager and with the former general manager and the head coach that were not on the same page as far as one thought he should get paid, one shouldn't. I personally think Clowney's a very big time talent. But if you can't be average, average sack guys are going to stumble into 10 sacks on, a, on, a, on their best season. He said nine and a half is highest. That can't happen. He's got to take it and elevate it to a different level. And that means effort as well. If I could take some of J.J. Watt's effort or all of it and stick it into Jadavion Clowney, you'd have the defensive player of the year in the NFL because he's long and he's outstanding and he can go get it. But I think we're in for something. I think we're in for either a long holdout. I don't think you hold out until to miss a check, but if they don't sign him, in which they missed the deadline today, and he does not sign the the uh, franchise tag, I'm sure they'll try to move him. They'll franchise him. If he doesn't come, then that's on him. You're not going to make that money up. But if he does come, uh, I, I, there's still a big part of me that thinks they're going to try to shop him if they can. I just don't know if we trust him in Houston as much as he trusts himself. Uh, he's not a $25 million a year player. $20 million maybe, but I think this city mostly, they like him. But I don't think the team, nor at least the majority of it, nor the city is in love with him and thinks we can't do without him. I can tell you this. You go 2-14 and 14 with a great defense and a, or a great pass rusher. You're never going 2-14 and 14 with a great quarterback. The focus is Watson and protecting him. And if Clowney wants to show up, then that's, you know, that's a hell of a football player. But they're not making a whole lot of movement. I'll be more shocked if, they, if he signs the tender before halfway through or by the end of camp than I will – if, if you know he says I want to be here the rest of my career, and they get him a long-term deal done at some point, it's not going to happen now. Obviously, with the deadline passing, so uh, we'll see if he's the type of guy that wants to hold out and do what Le'Veon Bell did last year and give up a whole bunch of paychecks. Most players don't have the guts to hold out and pass up that kind of money. Speaking of money, uh, I'm curious to know, Sean, when you compare the NBA and the way finances are handled, the way the the cap is handled versus the NFL, the way the cap is handled there. And in the NBA, the players have so much power, it seems like. How do you compare those two, and which league situation do you think is healthier? 
Well, to me, as a former player, I think that we have the worst union situation going retirement-wise. That we, you you know, it's and guys haven't been in those meetings, you know, as a player for ten years. That the strength of unions, you have to be together. You just do. And in ours, it's obvious the owners and Roger Goodell run it. The players do not. And when you have given it, when you gave the commissioner the power to make all these decisions and hand out suspensions and gave him all power because you wanted a little bit more in free agency, because you want a little bit more in guarantees. Uh, football players are a unique group. They usually, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but they usually don't care who came before them, and they, and they, meaning insurance, well, that doesn't matter when a CBA comes up. And they, quite frankly, most times don't care who's coming after them. They care, what can you do for me now? How quickly can I become a free agent? How much guaranteed money can I get? And I want to work less, shorten training camp, which they've done, and I want to get paid more, which they're getting done. So um, while the players are getting better, the players, trust me, the NBA's players run that league, and Adam Silver, we know that. And he's the, the, he, They have his ear, but they run it. And I would say baseball superstars are next. Of the three, those major, not including hockey, obviously, there's no question that the NFL is behind. And the next CBA that comes up is going to be huge. But if they think they're getting guaranteed contracts for every player, they're not going to do it. If I was the NFL, I wouldn't do it. And I'm normally on the player side. When you're at, when your players run the show, I actually think the NBA players run too much of the show. I think baseball is getting it right, but you know salary caps and the rest of it. For us, I think the next level for the NFL, if it was me, you know, to be rule changes, I would, for salary cap purposes, I would inc- I would increase rosters so you can have better practices. Since they've shortened practices and you can't practice two times in a row in gear. You don't have enough bodies to practice for the most part. A lot of times I would extend the rosters, a couple players, and I would remove the quarterback from salary cap. Mm-hmm. Cause in truth, if Tom Brady really wanted to be a pain in a rear end about it, he's worth 50 million a year. If he really at six Super Bowls and been to nine and won six, if he really wanted to put him in a bind, he said, you're going to pay me 55 million a year. I come back. He, he really could, but we don't run it like the, like the, other two leagues do the superstars don't but the next thing for me is i would like to see them put the old special quarterback doesn't count under the certain part of the cap then you can pay your superstar quarterback now you can go build yourself a competitive roster i just think it's such a unique position and so important somehow some way we've got to have a kind of an asterisk by that guy when it comes to the salary cap so we can pay him because in truth on the other side Guys like Blake Bortles shouldn't be making $21, $20 million a year when they're average players. God bless him for getting it, but when he's making more than Tom Brady or Nick Foles is making Brady money, and Nick Foles is a good player, i got a problem with it, but that's the key. Remember I said at the beginning, be willing to sacrifice? Brady has sacrificed every single year to go win championship rings because that's his number one goal, and that's why when we're all said and done, he'll go down as the greatest, not just quarterback, the greatest football player that's ever lived. Sean, it's an absolute pleasure to have you back on the show. Thank you very much for uh, giving us a few minutes. We really appreciate it. Honored to do it, guys. I look forward to talking to you again, and I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Sean Salisbury, uh, host of the Sean Salisbury Show, 6 to 10 every morning on Sports Talk 790 there in Houston. Wish he had an idea or two. Jeez. The, uh, yeah, no kidding. Uh, the, the, the two words that stand out with that last question, guaranteed contracts yeah i see but but he also talked about the the problem with the nfl union there's so many players and they're they're um 
careers are so short, mm-hmm. it's just impossible to get them all on the same page pulling in the right direction. Impossible. And that's why their players' union takes a beating every time the, the CBA comes up because they're just not it's, – it's not easy to get everybody on the same page. And, and nobody's willing to lose a season because the average career is only three years long. Le'Veon Bell. Well, he's in a little bit different situation. Yeah, yeah. And, and we'll see if that turns out to be a smart decision for him. Yeah. But if, you know, honestly, look at Hans, uh, our boy Hans. He, he uh, played three years for the Colts. And if you went to Hans and said, hey, Hans, for the greater good and for generations that come after you, we want you to sacrifice one-third of your NFL career. He's saying no. Yeah. He's saying, heck no. And, and by the way, nobody could blame somebody for having that opinion. That's a lot to sacrifice. But in, until money they get, is money. Until they Some get money everybody, is better than none. Right. But until they get everybody on the same page willing to do that, they're, they're not going to get guaranteed contracts. I love his idea about um, saying that the quarterbacks don't apply to the salary. <laughs> yeah, cap. I'd never heard that one before. But I love that idea because there's so many NFL teams out there, and, and he hit the ultimate example with Tom Brady, who's been selfless to the point where he'll take less money so that the the team can fill out around him. But the the problem, like look at the Falcons that were in the in the Super Bowl uh, a couple of years ago, and or actually, you know what, you know who the better example is? Joe Flacco with the Ravens. Mm. They win that Super Bowl. They give him all of the money. And they have to cut the rest of the team, and then next thing you know, it's hello, Sucktown. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's you know Russell Wilson when he was on his rookie deal. That's when Seattle was at its best because they could fill in the rest of the team with all these great players. Then all of a sudden you have to pay the quarterback, and then the rest of the team suffers. Yeah. So. I, that's and a really by, interesting and idea. And thereby the quarterback suffers as well. That's the, right. that's the irony of the whole thing, although everybody wants the money. They, they do, if, if they can get it. But who wants to play on a team that sucks because you're sucking up all the money? Right. But interesting that baseball players can play forever. So you wonder why their, their players' union is so strong because, well, sacrificing a season isn't as big a deal because you're going to play until you're 40. Well, not in every case. But well, you, you get what I'm saying, yeah, though. I hear you. And yeah. I, it, it's kind of the reason I was surprised the, the NBA Players Association took such a, such a, a beating in the last lockout because they, it shouldn't be too hard to get all those guys on the same page. However, as we talked about, the players in the NBA, the star players, have all the power. Yeah, they do, but that hasn't translated into collective bargaining negotiations. You'd right. be if that TV contract didn't hit the NBA, there'd be a lot more belly aching about the outcome of that last CBA. All I know is that when guys are making 150 plus million, and they can, and the contracts don't mean anything because they can go to management and say, "Hey, I want out of here. Move me now." and those particular teams are giving them the choice of where they want to go? Right, but but think about the NBA. There's no middle class anymore. It's it's all the cap rooms taken up by those players that you're talking about, and then your average player is probably not getting the deal that they're actually worth because teams can't afford it. I wonder how that goes over in the locker room. I'd see it's... My guess would be probably not well, but the top-end players like you're talking about have so much power, you've got to shut up and like it. And you're still making a heck of a living, but it's it's just 
in a team sport like basketball. I get I get the star players make the difference. Yeah, I understand all that. But when you're asking those guys to sacrifice equally in different ways and uh, one guy's making, uh, you know, uh, $40 million a year and the next guy's making two. Right. But that next— Nobody's see, crying. I get it. But. but they haven't really looked out for your rank-and-file NBA player. You're, the stars you're talking about, sure, they're making out like bandits, but are other guys getting the contracts that they deserve, or do they have to take less money because so much of the cap, you know, those supermax contracts, 35% of the cap is going to one player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the same thing can come in effect where your team might not be as good because somebody's hogging all the good. You're paying one guy all the money. money. But it doesn't seem to bother these guys. They seem to be getting together. And, well, it doesn't bother the star players, sure. Exactly. But those are the guys who, well, look look at who is at the top of the rankings as far as the power ratings go for the next NBA season. Yeah. Guess who's there? The Clippers and the Lakers. There you go. I want to remind you to join uh, Hans and Scotty coming up uh, on Thursday from noon to 3 at My Hearing Center in Sandy, 8941 South 700 East, Suite 204. Coming up next... We've got an over-under set for win totals for the Utah Jazz. We'll tell you what that's uh, what that is and where Gordon's going, over or under. Okay. Risking his vast fortune. <laughs> More next. Yeah. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.